Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network and you are joined by Danuta and my super great co-host Lawson. Lawson, good to see you here this morning. I hear you had a really interesting and fabulous night last night. I had a great night, except it ended with a supreme <laughs> oh. depression. Oh. Like, just <laughs> devastation. Oh, uh, no. It was okay, okay. though. No, well, obviously, the, the Tillies, the Matildas played last night, mm. and it was in the semi-finals. It's, you know, one of the, yeah. the highest positions that they've, they've ever been to in the World Cup. And they were playing against England, and they lost 3-1, which was, oh, man, it was, because they gave us hope. We, we equalised like in the second oh, half, right? But yes. but then you know England just ran away with it. They're one of the best teams in the world, and there was you know there wasn't precedent to believe in the Matildas. Absolutely, they had, I think they've been doing a fabulous, fabulous job. That the game with the French mm. was amazing. That penalty shoot off. They've like, been playing incredibly well during the World Cup, and also they had beaten England. They had ended an in- team England thirty win streak earlier this year. So I was like, it was believable that they that they could have done it. But I was actually watching the game at my university down at Avondale. We're watching the game there. There was about, <laughs> I'd say like at least 50 of us oh, in, cool. in lower college college hall there. Yeah. And what I really appreciated about watching a game with like a big group of young people is a big group of Christian young people. So there was no drinking or anything like that. We're just like, just eating food and watching the game. Nice. And uh, in the second half, before the Matilda scored, one of our RAs just started singing Waltzing Matilda. Oh, nice. And so we all join in and we're singing together. Together, you know, waltzing Matilda, <laughs> and then as the song comes to a close, he goes, "Oh, see, oh, see, oh, see. We all go, "Oi, oi, oi!" And Sam Kerr, Sam as Kerr. we say, "Oi." <laughs> Boots it straight in. We lost it, dude. Oh, we, 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 went, we went off. It was like we're at the game. Like, like you're at the we game. We encouraged them to <laughs> score. So cool. And they did it. It was such a good time. Great but, stuff. But hey, sad ending, but good on you, the Matildas. And coming up on our show today, we have Rod Bailey. That's our interview on agriculture and planting for spring. In our news, we have new discoveries under the Earth's seafloor, and we're talking about movies. And in our Bible study time after after the 8 o'clock news, we're talking Ephesians 4, the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Don't miss that. That'll be exciting. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Hey, Lawson, we haven't introduced yet our place that we're going to, um, where our stations are. We actually have one place every day that mm-hmm. we introduce. Where are we going to today? We are going to the Tea Gardens. Tea, I know where that is. You know, I've been there before yeah, as yeah, that's well. that's not far from Port Stephens. It's up the, up the freeway as you go up north past, New, uh, past Raymond Terrace, you know, up yeah. from Newcastle. It's on the northern side that's of, right. of, of the port there. And it's a beautiful spot. I've been out there and number of times and I envy people who live up in that area because it's just so like it's it's so quiet yeah. It's so peaceful. It's, it's beautiful, so nice. Hey? Shout out to Tea Gardens. If you're from Tea Gardens or you've ever been to the Tea Gardens, let us know. 0491-064-669 is our number to text. And you're also going to need to get that number ready so that you can answer this first question for the quiz today. Mm. Here we go. It's incredible, but according to 1 Kings 19, 11 to 16, a man heard a still small voice after a, ma- after a major wind, which was followed by an earthquake, which was followed by a massive fire. <laughs> Who heard 
the still small mm. voice. Was it? Okay, so we're giving you guys some multiple options here. Was it Jeremiah? Was it Elisha? Was it Elijah? Or was it Jonathan? Who heard the still small voice? Now, all of these... Mm. Characters here are all, good choices. All, fantastic yeah. choices. They're all from the Old Testament. If you know which Old Testament figure here was the one who heard the still small voice, either Jeremiah, Elisha, Elijah, or Jonathan, give us a text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you will go into the draw to win the Silver Hills Spa Cuisine Vegan cookbook by Eileen Brewer and Cecil Gordon. As we've been talking about, even though it's called Modern Vegan Recipes. Yeah, I was just looking at that and I was about to say Modern Vegan Recipes. That's right. Interesting. It's very interesting. This is basically a book. It is a labor of love of, so from the Silver Hills Health, you know, facility that they've got there, these recipes have been labored over years and years and years and Mm. fine-tuned and tweaked since all the way back in in the 1980s and now they've compiled it into a cookbook and you can win it for free if you want amazing yummy healthy western vegan food we want to give this to you absolutely for free all you have to do is answer these questions 0491-064-669 who heard the still small voice jeremiah elisha elijah or jonathan this morning danuda what's happening in the world of good news oh wow look you know so the last song actually nicely links in with one of the topics i'm covering this morning i think there's a beautiful thing here about volunteers who sit with strangers in their final moments now do you do you fear death lawson uh I mean, in a sense, yes. Like, I'm not just walking off the top of roofs of houses or buildings. Yeah, yeah. Of you know, there, there is a, 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 a fear. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know, I think that being a Christian, there is definitely then a perspective on death. That is, hey, there is something more to come. Uh, Abs- there, there we have a future and a hope, you know. Yeah. Uh, there is, you know, Jesus has paid the price for us and, and there will be eternal life, these kinds of things. But absolutely. but still, there is value to our lives here. And so, absolutely, there's value to our lives. And you know, one of the things I find as a, as a pastor that commonly people say to me is they really don't want their loved one to be alone when they're passing away. Mm. And one of the hardest things that I, a lot of people do find is if they haven't been there, and their loved one has actually passed away alone. Mm. And the thing, whole thing is, of course, with death is we don't know when that moment may happen. Um, mm. And, you know, in some cases people can be there. My, my family and I were actually around my mum's um, bed when she passed away. <clears throat> and it was actually a beautiful moment at the same time as it was a hard moment. But because of her belief in in the biblical teaching that death is asleep mm. and that when Jesus comes, he will resurrect those who believe in him um, and and take them home. It was actually a, a mixture of of beauty together with some of the, that that uh, that passing that happened. Mm. But what's beautiful is in New Zealand, they've actually taken on something that started back in the US back in 1986. Mm. And that is that in the last moments of a person's life, there's these volunteer groups now that have actually come together that are actually um, sitting by a person's bedside um, in the hospitals or in a nursing home who may actually be on their own, whose family members may not come. 
um, and who do not visit them. And so they're actually by their side, they're holding their hand or they're stroking their hand or they're playing songs or they're talking to them so that the person doesn't pass away, which I think is actually a really beautiful thing. And it's it's something that the, the actual volunteer group is called NODA, which stands for No One Dies Alone. Mm. And it's a service aimed at providing a caring and compassionate presence for those patients who for many reasons don't actually have that support, you know, at the end of life. And where it actually started um, is in actually 1986 by a nurse um, whose surname is Clark and she was working on a night shift and she was actually told when there was the handover that there, there would be a patient, that there was a patient in on the shift that would most likely pass away during the night. And she actually went to see him first and she said to him, I'll be back. I've got a few duties to do and I'll be back. Um, his wish was actually that she would, st- that she would actually stay with him. But she said, look, I'm sorry. I've actually got to go. I've got these duties to do and I'll be right back. She came back an hour later and unfortunately he had passed away. Mm. And so the thing is that for her, she actually said, you know, he had just a simple wish that he easily granted and I couldn't do it. And from that moment on, it became important to me to find a way to be with patients at the end of life. That's what she said in an interview um, at the Mayo Clinic in 2013. And so from 2001, basically the whole NODA group actually started and it was established and it's now in lots of parts around the world. But here there's an article of where... A, a, a lady who was actually once a school principal actually sat by the bedside has sat sat by the bedside of several people now who have mm. passed away. She said it's actually a really beautiful gift to give to somebody, and I just think like you know how incredible because you know so many people do fear death. That's why I asked you the question Absolutely. at the start. You know, they fear death, but also, you know, as we've said many times here on Faith FM, we have all been created by God for a sense of belonging, for a sense of relationships, for feeling loved, mm. for a sense of community. And that, um, you know, is something that everyone wants right to their last moment, to yeah. their very last breath. And I just think what a beautiful thing there that, um, that this can actually be offered and, um, and they don't have to actually be alone. Isn't that just powerful? Yeah. I think so. And I, I think in that space as well, you know, as patients are coming to the end of their life, you know, I, I have a number of friends who are nurses. It's, it's a very popular profession being a nurse. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, uh, among a lot of young ladies that I know and, and men as well who, uh, I know through church and whatnot, and I've just heard countless amazing stories of like these end of life situations. And even we had one of my good friends from Melbourne, Hetty. She was on the breakfast show once talking about her experience at end of life, you know, and calling people to repentance as their their days are ending and those people making decisions to to give their hearts to Jesus and their lives to Jesus. Yeah, and, wow. And, and you, I think. There is a sense that you could be skeptical of that. Yeah. And you might be sitting here this morning thinking, oh, well, isn't that a little bit of man- a manipulation? They're in a vulnerable time in their life and you're telling them that they need to repent of their sins and give their heart to Jesus. But what has been seen widespread throughout all my friends who are working as nurses, and particularly I have some other friends who are working in kind of the aged care sector as well, is when they do this, uh, the reaction of the patient of the person dying mm. is just 
total comfort and peace. Peace that they get. Like, it's, it's, you know, they're not sitting on the end of the bed now worried and freaking out. In fact, that's probably one of the things that is worrying them is like, I'm coming to the end of my life. I don't really know what's on the other side, but I speculate it's there's probably something. Something. And am I ready for that? That, Yeah. And and with that comes the question, will I be saved? Will I be saved? Will I be saved? And that's so deep, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I know when my sister-in-law was passing away, my husband actually said to her, you know, do you believe in Jesus Christ and in salvation in Jesus Christ? Mm. And she nodded her head. And I know that for her, you know, there was that peace that came over her, but also for us as believers Mm. to know that she, you know, she had Jesus in her heart and was, was, you know, that means that, you know, it's like the thief on the cross, right? Mm. The thing is that with the thief on the cross, you know, there was salvation right there. He was dying. Mm. He didn't have like a whole pile of Bible studies and things like that. No, we're not saying not don't have Bible studies. We're saying like when you're actually confronted with something and God gives it to you and it convicts your heart, follow it. Yeah. Follow it. Fully in ease. You know, we are are responsible to follow it and we will be actually um, judged according to that. But Mm. if it's, you know, in the last moments when somebody says, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in salvation to him, I want to give my heart to him, they have the hope of salvation. And Mm. that's the beautiful thing. And in, in Luke 11, we actually read, so in John 11, that death is asleep. So we have nothing to fear. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I love ukuleles, Lawson. I've got one. I started learning a few years ago. I need to pick it mm. up again. But I once actually heard a ukulele club in the Blue Mountains, and it was amazing. There were about forty of them, mm. and I could not stop. Wait, it actually to sounded them. good. Like forty ukuleles. Forty. They were amazing. And there was this older guy. I reckon um, he he was in this suit, and he was just dancing around to it. And it just put the biggest smile on my face just to watch him. Like I did it with my sisters. We actually had a special birthday celebration up there and we stumbled across it. So it was amazing. Mm. But anyway, Lawson, what's our next quiz question for today, please? Our next quiz question, which gospel records the fewest of the miracles performed by Jesus? Oh, interesting one here this morning. If you know the answer, 0491-064-669. Of course, our prize for this week, which will be drawn on Friday, is the Silver Hill Spa Cuisine. Modern vegan recipes, incredible recipes that have been labored over for decades, tweaked, refined, tuned up so that they are yummy, they're healthy, they're awesome, they're amazing. We want to give them to you absolutely for free. So 0491-064-669 is the number to text if you know the answer. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning. Oh, just quickly, I'll just repeat that question one more time. I want to give you guys a chance. Which gospel records the fewest of the miracles performed by Jesus? This morning, uh, yes. we are Where are we going? We're seeing some friendly fire happen <laughs> in the pop culture space uh, and, and happening amongst figures who would represent, you know, countercultural ideas and, and whatnot. This is so interesting to me. This, this story, it really, it's perplexing, but it's interesting. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling 
the famed author of the Harry Potter series, which has been, you know, simultaneously championed by many, but has also been the ire of particularly many Christians. In fact, we have a, a resources page that we get our giveaways from, from Shout Out Better Books and Foods, who hook us up with that. There is a book there called The Perils of Harry Potter and Witchcraft by Steve Wahlberg, yeah. which is a fantastic uh, yeah. book because it's all about the supernatural. Mm. It's all about delving into realms and worlds that are, frankly, very real and very dangerous very and very dang- deceptive and very, very misleading. Very. And so, you know, J.K. Rowling has been the champion of this. Mm-hmm. She is the single most successful modern author who has ever lived. Uh, yes. She is worth a billion US dollars. She was actually a single mum and I think she was actually writing a lot of those from home or something. That's wasn't right. She? Yeah. She was in no sense when she wrote like a, uh, she obviously had a passion for writing, mm. but it was unprecedented. She had no previous works. Yeah. And it goes on to become one of the, the most biggest famous books yeah. and film series of all time. Not that I've time. read them or watched them. No, no, I no. just don't go there. Sure. Sure. hundred <laughs> percent. And you shouldn't because they're awful. Like I, <laughs> I grew up reading these books and watching these movies and, mm. and, and they're not great, but JK Rowling, is being cancelled for being a feminist. What? So J.K. So so J.K. Rowling is very pro women, mm-hmm. and that has resulted in her being being cancelled. Uh, and how this is coming out? So the, one of the latest stories to come out is that the U.S. Museum of Pop Culture. It's in Seattle, and it's mm. like a big tourist attraction. A lot of people go to. They have a whole section devoted to Harry Potter because wow. it's, it's one of like the biggest. It's become so big. That's, that's right. It. In books and movies, it's one yeah. of the biggest IPs that biggest. exists in the 21st century. And because there's a series as well, it's not just a one thing. Yeah, it's like it's an eight movie series that like each movie has grossed hundreds of millions Mm. of dollars they have completely removed the section from the museum because of her comments that could be construed and Uh that seem to them as transphobic Oh. So she, and, and this has been a trend that's been going on for a while of her being constantly accused of a transphobe as a transphobe or the, the, the term that they use for it is TERF. And that's, it's, an, that's it's an, it's an acronym. Term. Why that? Yep. It stands Take for it Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Wow. So she is a, a feminist. So she's pro woman yeah. at the expense of trans people. Now, I can't quite get my head around that. Yeah. Can you explain that a bit more for us? Well, it's like, okay, so it, it essentially works like this. Uh-huh. I'll give you an example. Yep. J.K. Rowling posted on Twitter, there was a uh, there was a, a, an article that was written and it was talking about COVID-19 and, and about how it affects different people in different demographics. Mm-hmm. And she quoted the article and it was like in bra- in. in commas here says people who menstruate i'm sure there used to be a word for those people someone help me out maybe it's wamban or wimpund or wumud opinion creating more equal posts about covid19 for a world of people who menstruate and ultimately what she's getting at is call women women yeah she's like women are women women are people who menstruate like like Women are women. They designed men in a certain way. That's right. In a certain way, and therefore certain. Yeah, things happen. and they have the right to be categorized in a certain way, which right. is as a woman. Yeah, and so because of this is a uh, to me, I read this. I'm like, this is a very um, same like tame 
comment. She also wrote uh, a comment here. It says, if, if sex, and by sex, I mean, you know, gender, uh, mm-hmm. if sex isn't real, there's, um, uh, there's no same sex attraction. If sex isn't real, um, the live reality of women globally is erased. I know and I love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex, which is something that the trans movement is trying to erase. Mm, They're like, mm. sex and gender is a construct yeah. and it's it's just made up and it's something that you can overcome. Oh, it's hold like, on. That gender's made up. That's, like. that's exactly what they say, 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but erasing this concept of, of sex and gender removes the ability for many, meaningful to dis- meaningful, uh, many people to meaningfully discuss their life. Mm-hmm. It isn't hate to speak the truth. And over comments like, this yeah she's just been like yeah. it's so interesting I, I like that that she says hate it's not hate to speak the truth but yeah you keep going because harry potter as a product among the lgbt community is like it's the highest of highs for them it's like right. one of their most revered works it's like right. yes this yeah. is something that represents us it's countercultural to you know religious limits and all of these mm-hmm. things you know harry potter it's it's huge it's massive it's something that they all massively yeah. identify with but the author is turning out to not agree with them and now she's cancelled that you know there's this wow. movement to remove her from her the authorship of those works you know and it's like whether it's the movies or the books that they would be sold in future without her name being attached to it that's really because she's such a bigoted and evil person right because they've they've taken it that way that's not what she intended when she actually wrote the harry potter books really yeah well, but she's now going i still stand for this particularly because and i you know i'm speaking from experience here i grew up as not a christian i watched these movies i read these books there isn't hugely there are definitely feminist themes in harry potter but there's not hugely you know lgbt themes mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. especially in regards to trans or same-sex attraction but I, I think it's just like the magical fantasy aspect of it and how countercultural it was and and in the same kind of countercultural vein that the trans movement the lgbt movement think that they're mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. ultimately they, they've identified this they've they've said oh this is our thing and now oh it turns out that the person who wrote it who masterminded doesn't agree with you and it's just it's so, causing chaos for and, and i'm wondering how how and who influenced the uh, the museum though because the you're saying the lgbtq you know are finding that all a space that they're finding really hard but who has made that final decision in the museum well the museum, and then probably Producer Shell can agree with me. She'll nod. The museum is based in Seattle. Ah, <laughs> and so okay. that just makes a lot of okay. sense already. Okay. Seattle is, you know, Seattle, Washington, one of the most uh, secular, progressive areas right. in the entirety of the United States. That whole West Coast, you know. So but but not the entire West Coast. You know, if you get into Northern California and parts of um uh, parts of Oregon and whatnot mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. some very conservative areas. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the big cities right. that, that go along the coast there, whether it's, you know, Los Angeles or Portland or Seattle in, yep. in Washington there, yep. you know, it's an incredibly progressive city. And so they've, they're on the bandwagon too. They're like, ah, oh, JK Rowling's a transphobe. And this is the thing for me. It's like, I don't agree with anything J.K. Rowling has ever said or ever written in terms of her books and mm, her mm. fiction and her works. I'm like, that's, it's, it's lame. I don't like it. It also, it, it fantasizes and glorifies, uh, the supernatural, which is something like, but it, you know, the, the kind of evil, dark supernatural, which is something, which is a road that I don't think people should be going down. And I'm like, that, that's awful. That's, that's terrible. Uh, but at the same time, it, 
as I said when I introed the section, it seems a little bit like friendly fire. You know, these people, there's so much confusion uh, that, sin bring, uh, that sin brings that these people are, are fighting amongst each other. You know, it's like, oh, who's, who's more right in just being totally sinful and totally against God's plan? Yeah. Obviously, I, I believe in standing up for women. I believe women are women and, and these kinds of things. So in, those, in that sense, some of the things that J.K. Rowling has said is, is, is positive. But yeah, it's just such an interesting situation. Let us know what you think. 049. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. With Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, what's our next quiz question for this morning? Here we go. As Jesus and his disciples were crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat, a big storm arose. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, and the storm disappeared. What was Jesus doing when the storm arose? Mm. So, you know. That's such a cool story. They're, they're making their way across the sea, the Sea of Galilee. I've and, been there. and hey, what was Jesus up to before he uh, before he stopped this storm? If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Did you see any storms while you were there? We didn't, but what they actually did tell us is the fact that because that that it tends to get really strong winds through mm. there. And therefore, this story all made so much sense to me when I, when we were actually there. Mm. Absolutely. But you, if you know what Jesus was up to when he uh, stopped that storm, just just before, 0491-064-669 is the number to text with your correct answer. And if you text us the correct answer, you go into the draw to win Spa Cuisine from Silver Hills Modern Vegan Recipes by Eileen Brewer and Cecil Gorda. Just explaining a little bit, if you text in a correct answer, so the more correct answers you text in, the more chances that you have That's to it. win the prize. It's not like you need to text in one and then everyone has one. It's like if you answer every question correctly, you have the biggest chance. The biggest chance. So right. 0491 is the number to text. The more answers you give, the more chances you have. Again, that question was, what was Jesus doing before he calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee as they were crossing it? 0491 We've now come to our interview time of today. And on the phone, we have none other than Rod Bailey. Rod, are you there with us? I am. Good morning. Good morning. It's fantastic to have you on the show this morning to talk about talk about all things agriculture. To talk about you know the way that plants grow, God's amazing creation, and and so the question for us is what are we what are we talking about today? Oh look, spring is here, Lawson. Mm, absolutely. We've, we've, That's exciting. We've been we've been commenting. Yesterday, I believe, you know, we're driving into the radio studio this morning, and in on my entire drive, the sun is up the whole way, mm-hmm. which is something that for a couple months I haven't been experiencing because obviously it's been winter. But we're very, very close to spring, just around the corner, just in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, well, I guess on the calendar we're very close, close. Close to spring, but in in practicality, in a, in a nature sense, we're, it's already here. It's here. Um, yes, agree, because we've had such a warm winter, haven't we? Really, it it, it has been warm and dry. Um, mm. It's actually it's been it's been very dry in some parts of the east coast. Um, uh, my neighbours here that grow grass for their cattle um, 
you know, it's predicted we might get a bit of a spit today and they'd be very happy to accept any drop we can get. But I don't know whether you realise, but parts of New South Wales have already been declared as being in drought. Wow. Yeah. That's really early too, isn't it? Yeah, close to you guys down at the studio near Newcastle. Um, So parts of the Upper Hunter are declared as drought affected, but around Dungog, just just north and west of Newcastle, it's actually been drought declared. Also up Mm. near Graft, it's been drought declared already. And and this is pretty pretty tough on the farmers because their country hasn't really recovered from all that wet weather and flooding last year, and now the dry's set in. And then, especially up around Grafton, they haven't had any decent rain since November. So, yeah, they're really struggling. And, you know, all the way down in Victoria, like eastern Victorians at the moment keep waking up to beautiful summer days. But the problem is it's winter. And um, Gabo Island, which is just off the uh, easternmost point of Victoria, they had their lowest July rainfall in 163 years of record. So it's like El Nino's really back. Um, you know, in Danuta, you said it's been a dry, uh, a warm winter, mm. and that's been a dry winter. So, yeah, the farmers out there are starting to struggle in a lot of areas. Which is a real shame because, like, my husband and I actually lived out west during the drought. We were in the outback, and to actually see what farmers went through during that time during the drought was really gut-wrenching heartbreaking Mm. and we actually service them with um you know essential things and and vouchers as well food vouchers Uh, but Mm. they had said they had never seen anything in all the years that they've actually been farming and so to Mm. think they had that and then in some places they had flooding uh, and now it's going back to the drought again it's like um just you know people haven't really quite recovered at all from where they're at they some some are barely meeting meeting their financial commitments um that you know that they recovered to and others are still behind you know catching up on what happened before no, absolutely. It's it's and it's not just the farmers that are affected. I mean, we all have experienced the, the increase in food prices yes. over the last few years, and there's many factors for that. But you know, the expectation is that food prices will rise again because mm. extremes of either wet or dry both yes. have that. Mm. So, I, I guess my message is: there's really no better time to step up growing our own food at mm. home. You know. Um, Food security has become a real issue in a lot of people's minds and people in our community are really looking to us as their local farmers to provide food security for their families. And that's great for our business, but um, we're spending a lot of time encouraging our local community to grow their own. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're like halfway through a series of what we call homegrown um, gardening workshops and you know we had 30 people here on Sunday wow. um, revealing our secrets to them so that they can they can be growing in their own gardens and I, I think that's where we need to be heading um, going back to the days where you know everyone's growing something in their backyard or their front yard and um, you know because that really distributes the uh, that, that f- food security mm. instead of us relying on on the farms out there to do it, we can take carry some of that burden ourselves. Mm. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. 
Absolutely. Well, Rod, you're on the show here with us and obviously you do these workshops and they're fantastic. We would encourage any of our listeners to, to head out uh, up to the mid-north coast area to, to hang out with you guys to do that. But can you give us some, some little snippets, some little tips and tricks? As you said, we've come into spring now. What can we do to get ahead of the curve? And, and particularly, I'm thinking maybe potentially a lot of people listening in rural areas, but also in cities as well. You know, What can we do to make the most of what we have? Yeah, well, make the most of what we have. One of the things, obviously, we have, we're talking about spring coming, is increased uh, temperatures. So this this opens up the opportunity to be growing our summer crops, those things that don't do so well in the, in the cool months. So, you know, mm. tomatoes and capsicums and cucumbers and eggplants and zucchinis and those sorts of things. Um, so it's really time to get ready, get ready, get ready for those. Mm. So it's... Here in our homegrown organics garden, we're, we're spending a lot of time at the moment preparing beds for those summer crops. Um, you know, we've got a couple of thousand seedlings there that are nicely growing and we'll be wanting to plant them out, you know, in those first couple of weeks of September. So um, by the end of this week, I would have prepared 750 lineal metres of garden beds oh, for wow. those crops. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're still planting all the, the crops that we grow all year round. So r- really now's time to, you know, have a look at our garden. If, we've, if we've, we've got some garden beds out the back that have maybe got a bit weedy or, you know, winter crops that are finishing up, you know, clean them up, put them in the compost pile. And as we've talked before, get fork the soil over a bit um, to get the air down. And then, you know, thinking about, you know, what, what do we need to do to, really get this soil cranking um, as a fantastic medium for our plants. So, you know, maybe here we're adding compost and organic fertiliser and we're still adding a bit of lime to add calcium to the soil because that's what we really need. And, Mm. yeah, we're we're even doing something new this year. Um, When our beds are prepared, I'm adding a a dilute solution of molasses. Oh, wow. Okay, giving it some sugar. Yeah, that's it. Give them some, give the soil biology some carbohydrate and, you know, really kick the bacteria off, um, with, with lots of food there for, for them to eat. And then when there's lots of them, the more complex biology will come along and eat the bacteria and soon the soil is really alive. So, um, Mm. yeah. So, Rod, how soon after would you be adding the molasses and where and how can that, that be purchased? I mean, it's probably not the same molasses that you get on the shelves in the cooking sections. In no, the it's, shops? Exactly, it's exactly the same, Januda. Oh, it is. There you go. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I haven't seen it in the in the nurseries and stuff like that. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Probably the, the the spot where I I've bought it is at rural stores because molasses is often added to horse feed and um, mm, you know you stuff go. like that, and um, just to add that carbohydrate. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so that's pretty easy. And how how soon can you plant into that? Straight away. It's it's such a dilute mixture um, that yeah, you just I just use a watering can to put it on the garden beds, and um, yeah, it's no one knows it's there except the bacteria that are just saying yum yum. Mm, so is there a certain balance of of water content to molasses that you've got to have? Ah, uh, look, I'd probably put a, a, a maybe a cup of molasses in a watering can and that does 20 square meters of of garden bed so yeah and it's it's not it doesn't take a lot really to get things going 
Yeah, that's yeah. great. And and Ron, one of the key things that people tend to struggle a lot with is the pre- preparing um, the soil really well. Because if the mm-hmm. soil's not really good, then we can do anything and everything with it, can't we? And it won't necessarily grow. So have you got some good tips there about preparing the soil well? You mentioned compost and fertiliser and lime, but what about in actually preparing it and putting those things in? How how what's what what are some tips around that, please? Yeah, it's it's a I think I've said said on the show before that probably one of the most important things that our soil needs is air. And I mentioned we use a broad fork here to actually just crack the soil to get the air down in there because it's so important for the biology to have a bunch of air in there. Mm-hmm. That's really the mm. found. And then adding good quality compost and, and, and some uh, some organic fertiliser and... and um, and then just incorporating into the soil. But remembering, too, that that when we let our soil dry out, those biological com- communities really diminish because the, the bacteria and, and all the more complex biology, you know, up the chain from them, if you like, up the food chain, they all really need a moist environment in which to live. Mm. And so um, because it's been dry winter, yeah, just as you as you pulling out those old crops or pulling out your weeds and stuff, just restore that soil that that moisture into the soil. Mm. Um, because plants really struggle without their biological mates, mm. you know, um, mm. active. Mm-hmm. And to to put plants into a dry soil means they're kind of on their own without all the billions of support, you know, support um, staff if you like that make make their 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 growth uh possible um yeah and so yeah just doing what we can adding organic matter through the compost or any other means keeping the soil nice and moist and um when the plants go in it'll be a happy environment for them Mm, i love Mm. those tips hey got a question here does molasses attract the bees that's what suzanne is asking yeah no i think if you put it on with high enough high enough concentrations it would um but, but yeah, I've never noticed bees coming around on my garden beds because I, I put it on so dilute. Mm, absolutely. Well, hey, Rod, this is fantastic stuff. You know, great tips. People are very, you've got some text messages here, very motivated to get in their gardens, ready for, well, as you said, not ready for spring because spring is already here. But, hey, we've got about a minute left. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Hey, look, another thing to to think forward about is, if we are going to have a dry summer, it looks like we are, um, just to start thinking about irrigation, how you're going to get water onto your veggies going forward. Um, you know, hose, sprinkler drip. And just to remember that most summer crops prefer not to get water on their leaves because this encourages fungal diseases. So maybe consider putting the zucchinis and tomatoes and cucumbers in a separate bed or in another part of the garden where your sprinklers don't um, won't wet their leaves and either water them by hand or set up a simple drip irrigation system. That'll make a huge difference to your plant health and yields for those summer crops. You know, your greens and things like that, no worries. Put the mm. sprinkler on them. Um, but for your summer crops, try to keep the water off their leaves. Amazing. Rod, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.